The National Desk, Conversations, America's News Now. I'm Jan Jeffcoat, and welcome to Episode 20 of the National Desk Conversations. Every weekday, we invite newsmakers onto our morning television broadcast to discuss topics everybody's talking about. On today's podcast, we revisit our conversation with Kentucky Senator Rand Paul. Well, as the economy and out-of-control inflation affect all Americans, some lawmakers are warning the worst is still ahead. Prices did jump 7% over the past year, the fastest pace in nearly 40 years. And we've already been warned gas prices will be going sky high in the coming months. Kentucky Senator Rand Paul joining us right now to discuss his latest report addressing inflation. Senator Paul, good morning to you. Good morning. Since the beginning of the pandemic, Washington has spent $4.9 trillion in COVID stimulus. Tell us how bad monetary policy and this COVID relief you think contributed to the rise of this inflation. You know, I think it's important for people to know that inflation comes from government debt, and then the government pays for its debt by printing new money. The Federal Reserve basically creates money out of thin air, pays for the debt, but when they do, they increase the money supply. So imagine that we double the money supply. You say, oh, this is great. I have all this extra money. But that money chases the goods, raises the prices. And so we're paying for it now. But the inflation of this year, when you go to the gas pump and you're paying more, you go to the grocery store and you're paying more and more and more, this is a result of last year's borrowing. There's a little bit of a lag time. So we're still borrowing. We borrowed about $3 trillion last year. We'll probably borrow $3 trillion this year. And that borrowing leads to more inflation. So my concern is that this could get out of control. Sometimes inflation spirals upwards. 7% is bad enough if you didn't get a pay raise. But imagine if it's 14% or 20%. Or lo and behold, what if the Democrats make us Venezuela, where you have 100% inflation a month or a week, and they destroy the currency? That's what happens when you promise something for nothing. You, there is no real free lunch in this world. So when they offer you free things, when the government says, hey, we'll give you free college, it isn't free. They're going to print up money to pay for it, and you're going to pay for it at the gas pump and at the grocery store. I want to dig into some of this report right here because many small businesses, according to this report, likely will not make it out of this. In fact, 45% of small businesses have had to take out a loan to cope with inflation. 71% of households making under $40,000 a year are facing economic hardships from inflation. 71%. So, Senator, what's going to turn this around? Because as you mentioned, this, there's a lag time for all this borrowing. Uh, you got to quit digging the hole deeper, so we have to quit borrowing. And you're exactly right that this disproportionately hurts the poor. So the Biden promise was that he wasn't going to put new taxes on anybody making less than 400000 and that's most of us. So we're like, oh, well, we'll be fine. He's not going to tax us. He's going to tax those other people. The problem is, is he is taxing all of us. The free stuff that the Democrats are offering is paid for by borrowing and then paid for with inflation. So, yes, we have to be very conscious of this, but it is basically a tax and it disproportionately hurts the working class. If you make $28,000 a year, obviously when your grocery prices go up, it hurts you more than somebody that makes $100,000 a year. So what we have to realize is that inflation is disproportionately hurting the working class and the poor. Well, we already are paying 7% more, so we already have the 7% tax, it would appear, right? What should Americans be prepared to see in the months to come? My fear is that uh, we'll get an economic slowdown. See, right now we've been recovering because the government 
gave us an artificial lockdown and the government destroyed the economy. And I think this was a mistake because it really didn't change the trajectory of the virus. The virus came and has killed, you know, nearly a million people in our country. And it did that despite the lockdown, but the lockdown crippled our economy. We're still recovering from that. And as we do, lots of jobs have been created. My fear is that as inflation takes hold, or if it should spiral up, that we'll get what happened in the 1970s when the when the economy comes to a, sort of a grinding halt and no longer creates jobs. And then what you find is the wages, even though wages are rising, don't rise as fast as inflation and workers get poorer and poorer. That's what I don't want to see happen. And so basically we have to quit you know, promising people stuff for free. We can't give away stuff we don't have. And I think it, people deep down in their gut realizes that they all liked getting a check. Who's going to return a check if you get a check from government? But they need to realize we're paying the penalty now for passing out checks to everyone. And aside from the economy, I want to talk about some of the other crises that we've seen in this country this past year. Of course, the president did give a press conference yesterday. And here was his response to the, the growing aggression from Russia and how soon they could invade Ukraine and what his response would be to this. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, et cetera. But if they actually do what they're capable of doing with the force amassed on the border, it is going to be a disaster for Russia. Kiev, the Ukrainian government, of course, has said, why is the U.S. being reactive instead of proactive when it comes to Russian aggression? So, Senator, what do you suggest is the right path forward? What should we be doing? What? I think it's a mistake to telegraph to your enemies exactly what you'll do other than there'll be an overwhelming response. Uh, telegraphing what you'll do and sort of indicating that maybe a minor incursion won't be too bad is a terrible signal to send. So I think really uh, Biden is now a danger really to having appear in public. I think probably he shouldn't make public appearances where he has to speak extemporaneously. I think he's still able to read notes and it's fine to have him read, read things, read statements to the press, but he probably shouldn't speak to the press or to the world or to our country extemporaneously because I'm not sure that he's capable of um, having the discernment to protect our country. As far as what you do with Russia, I think one of the things that is important is that us alone probably cannot stop uh, a lot of things that are contemplated. Us in league with Europe, we have more potential. And one of the things I've been saying is, you know, there's a pipeline between Russia and Germany. What I would say is that there needs to be the threat, but Germany has to be with us on the threat that uh, guess what? We're gonna turn off the uh, natural gas coming from Russia if they would invade Ukraine. I think that's a real threat. It's a real economic threat and might deter them, but it, may, it, it necessitates us working together, particularly with Germany, but really with all of Europe and uh, the proximity of Europe. Europe should be wanting to help us. We should be in league with Europe and Europe should be standing strong, but that's what it takes is sort of an international coalition but uh, loose tongues and loose lips of uh, Joe Biden aren't helping things. And, and as we're watching what's happening with Russia, we're also keeping a close eye on China as well. China now threatening Olympic athletes, saying anyone who speaks up against the government or the country will face strict punishments. Uh, is it safe for Americans to be there? I don't have the absolute answer on that. I do think that uh, there needs to be a condemnation of the human rights abuses in China, this idea that 
to travel or to do anything. You need permission from your government. But we also need to see what's going on in China and not try to emulate that. I mean, it looks like Australia wants to become China. So, you know, it makes me uh, hesitant to want to go to a, an authoritarian place like Australia because they're setting up camps for people who make a medical decision and so uh, whether to be vaccinated or not. And so I'm just appalled at the free world, how they are actually trending towards the controls that China has. They, they all condemn China, but then many of them are acting as if they want to uh, embrace Chinese authoritarianism with their own, their own population. I think this is something that we all need to resist. Look, people who want to mandate a vaccine, there's no science behind it stopping the transmission. Now we have almost a half million to a million people a day getting it. Now I'm not saying you shouldn't get it. It, it might be advisable for your health, but it is not something that should be mandated, particularly on children who are not dying from this disease. It should be free choice. And uh, I'm just appalled by countries, Austria, Australia, locking people up because they want to make their own medical decisions. It's, it's horrific and reminiscent of China. Senator Paul, we appreciate you joining us this morning. Thank you. That's episode 20 of the National Desk Conversations. Join me each weekday morning from 6 to 11 Eastern for the National Desk, America's News Now. Check your local listings or you can stream it on our website, thenationaldesk.com. Our podcast comes out twice a week with fresh newsmaker interviews. The conversation continues. Until next time, from the National Desk, I'm Jan Jeffcoat.